Hello, you're listening to Dream Infringement. We've been entertaining the Rogue Valley at KSKQ since 2016. We're comprised of three co-hosts, Bobby and Emily, and me, Jennifer. Usually, we banter, tell stories, and play songs based on a random theme that we choose randomly at random. But this isn't quite that version of the show today because it's just a solo show with yours truly. This will be a little bit more of a musically inclined episode, uh, so it's not just an hour of me talking. In regards to the theme, have you ever been in a public place and overheard an argument? One-sided or two-sided, like somebody arguing on the phone or two people arguing or someone just recounting what happened and you're close enough that you can eavesdrop and you begin to silently sort of judge the parties. You pick a side of who you think (laughs) is in the right and you begin to become really invested in the outcome. And I think a similar thing can happen when one celebrity breaks up with another celebrity when they both happen to be singer-songwriters and they have a platform and a lot to say. First one will release a song and everyone speculates that it's about their ex and then the ex will release a song that seems sort of like a response and we're putting clues together from what's been said and what's not been said but we can't really be accused of eavesdropping because they're the ones who put it out there to music they put it out there they made it catchy they made it so it was on the radio and we're all singing along so of course we're going to be a little bit invested in kind of the message of that song. So this is a collection of these pairs of songs and I'll talk a little bit about them, analyze them a little bit, and we'll kind of see what people decided to put out there in the public setting, uh, in the public eye or ear as it was, for nosy people like me. Couple number one, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. They met in the early 1990s while filming the Mickey Mouse Club. And in 1999, they confirmed they were dating. And Brittany was vocal about her love for Justin, uh, saying to the Observer in 2001, like, we've gone through so much together and we've known each other since we were 12 years old. We know each other inside and out. Sadly, their relationship came to an end in 2002. And the split turned a bit messy after Timberlake released his song Cry Me a River, which is allegedly about his split from Britney Spears, as making air quotes, allegedly, but neither has confirmed or denied this. And the allegations were that Spears cheated on Justin Timberlake. Ah, young love, right? So we're going to listen to his song Cry Me a River and see what we think. I think the lyrics on this song tell a pretty clear story where he's saying, you took a chance, you made other plans, I bet you didn't think that they would come crashing down. You don't have to say what you did. I already know. I found out from him. Now you tell me you need me. Bridges were burned. Now it's your turn to cry. 
I mean, it definitely tells a story of somebody who wasn't faithful and got caught and then regretted what they did. And the other party was just like, bridges have been burned. There's no coming back from that. This is on you. I'm not swayed by your tears because like cry all you want, but you're the one who you know, made these decisions and that caused like the end of the relationship. Like it kind of feels to me like he's over it. Like he's kind of moved on. I, as a breakup song, I'm, I'm feeling it. Okay, so now it is Britney's song. It said that she recorded her song in 2002, but it didn't get released until 2004, and it's called Every Time, and allegedly it's said to be a response to Justin Timberlake's song. Every time I try to fly definitely a softer side of Britney Spears. Okay, so in her song she says, I may have made it rain, please forgive me, my weakness caused you pain, and this song's my sorry. At night I pray that soon your face will fade away, every time I see you in my dreams, I see your face, you're haunting me, I guess I need you baby. So if it were me, and this was someone's apology for cheating on me, assuming that's what happened, it would fall a little flat. My knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, you may have made it rain? You may have? <laughs> you caused thunderstorms! Um, and you want my face to fade away, That that's nice. And you guess you need me? <laughs> like, we were in love, you guess you need me? I would be actually a little upset. However, if it was something less serious than cheating, like a quarrel over personal differences or like hurt feelings, this would feel more appropriate. So maybe that is what happened or she just wanted to offer a softer sort of apology song without really laying everything out. Um, his song was definitely a lot more direct. He could have just been embellishing things for the sake of a song. I think if that were the case though, her response in general would have been different. She would have been like, that song's not about me, I never cheated on him. Or the song that she sang in return, it wouldn't be like this really sweet apology saying I caused you pain. Because you wouldn't feel that way f for someone who had implied that you cheated on them to the world when you hadn't. So that's my take on it anyways. So on to our next couple. This one's juicy. There's a lot flying back and forth. So Taylor Swift and John Mayer. She wrote a song called Dear John, which references like a Dear John letter. It's inspired by one of Swift's former partners. The lyrics are about a 19-year-old woman's tumultuous relationship with an older man. In the album's liner notes, she explained that every song on the album is an open letter to someone in her life telling them what she meant to tell them in person, noting that one song in particular is addressed to someone who made my world very dark for a while. So due to Swift's high-profile, short-lived relationship with singer-songwriter John Mayer, 
the media pretty much surmised that Dear John was probably inspired by him. He's 12 years older than her, so if they were dating when she was 19, he would have been 31. I don't have a problem with the age gap, it's that the gap happened when she was just 19. Like if she would have been 29 and he was 41, that really doesn't make me feel icky. Uh, In an interview with Rolling Stone, John Mayer obviously thought the song was about him. Uh, He says he was really humiliated by her song and it made him feel terrible. Um, He says, because I didn't deserve it. I'm pretty good at taking accountability now and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do. And he said he learned about her feelings directly from her song. I never got an email. I never got a phone call. I was really caught off guard, and it really humiliated me at a time when I'd already been dressed down. I mean, how would you feel if at the lowest you've ever been, someone kicked you even lower? When asked about the song's line, Don't you think I was too young to be messed with? Mayer says, I don't want to go into that. He further says, I will say, as a songwriter, that I think it's kind of cheap songwriting, but I think it's abusing your talent to rub your hands together and go, wait till he gets a load of this. Swift never confirmed or denied that the song was about him, though in an interview, Uh, When told about his reaction, she simply said, How presumptuous. I never disclose who my songs are about. So let's take a listen. I ignored when they said run as fast as you can. definitely a lot to dissect in the song. When she's saying, I lived in your chess game, but you changed the rules every day, wondering which version of you I might get on the phone. Like a lot of the lyrics in the song sound like someone who's being gaslit, where she's saying you give your love, you take it away. And it either sounds like a someone who's very narcissistic and how they approach relationships definitely like gaslighting and being manipulated is a theme in the song and she says you'll add my name to your long list of traitors who don't understand which again sounds like someone who's very good at flipping the narrative like this is how I'm not at fault Uh, like those people that are like I'm saying it's just all my ex-girlfriends that are crazy and you're suddenly like maybe it's you maybe that's the common denominator uh, and then her lyric of, don't you think I was too young to be messed with? I, I see it as an accusation of taking advantage of her youth or just her inexperience. Her song wasn't angry, but it was a ballad of like a laundry list of his shortcomings in finite detail. But she was really young when this was happening. He's really like the quote unquote adult in the situation. So I think he could have handled it better. He tried to flip it, saying, you know, that he was victimized. He was humiliated. She kicked him when he was down. He's being traumatized by, I think she was like 21 at that time, a 21-year-old woman. I think what he could have said (laughs) that would have made it less dramatic was something like, well, you know, as she said in her notes, 
this album is about things she didn't say to people at the time so like I don't know for sure if the song is about me uh, if it is you know these were things she didn't tell me I didn't know um, I am sorry if I caused her that kind of pain we never got a chance to talk about it um, I wish we could have also I wish her the best on her musical journey and hope that this album helped her process things emotionally that I think would have been like a very mature strategic thing to say like he kind of was living up to the things she was saying in her song okay so he responded with a song called paper doll so let's listen and see you know what he had to say you like 22 girls in one and none of them know what they're running from was it just too far to fall So personally, I felt like the melody seemed a little repetitive and bland for a revenge song. Like, it needed to have more meat on its bones. Maybe that was a strange way to put it, but I feel like you know what I mean. Alright, so his chorus. You're like 22 girls in one. None of them know what they're running from. Was it just too far to fall for a little paper doll? So calling someone a paper doll, I feel like he's saying she doesn't really have any substance or like an identity. Because if someone called you a paper doll, I mean, it's kind of condescending. It's designed to make you feel small. He also gets in there that he said, I was good to you and his love didn't cost anything. But he had to, I guess, put some props in for himself. Like, hey, I was good in this relationship. The 22 girls in one, uh, people feel was a pretty clear reference to her 22 single which was released around the same time that he came out with this song his response none of them know what they're running from is in reply to her lyric that I'll look back and regret how I ignored when they said run as fast as you can so he's kind of also just saying that she doesn't know herself she doesn't know him like he's like run as fast as you can from what you don't even know in her song she's saying you paint me a blue sky and go back and turn it to rain and then he, where he says if those angel wings don't fly someone's going to paint you another sky kind of again saying she doesn't really have an identity or she bases her identity on who she's with or there's the implication that she just uses men for inspiration and then breaks up with them and then pretends to be the victim of it all Granted, she does have a long history of dating, breaking up, and then writing songs about the relationship. Like, that is, that's sort of a classic Taylor Swift move. They're also pretty sure that it's about her because uh, Vanity Fair's self-proclaimed Taylor Swift historian Sarah Ball was able to find five photographs where Taylor Swift is wearing the outfits that he's referencing in the song. I mean... It seemed pretty obvious that it was about her, but now we've got more proof. And the Today website stated, Is Paper Doll supposed to be Mayor's Revenge? Seems kind of petty, honestly, especially coming from a 35-year-old man to a 23-year-old girl. Agreed. Yeah, that wasn't a relationship that was meant to last. These two people are very incompatible. So this next couple has been compatibly incompatible or incompatibly compatible 
for like the last 50 years. And that would be Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. This has the bonus of them not just being singer-songwriters, but also being in the same band, writing songs about each other and performing them together. I cannot imagine the level of chaos that that would bring in day-to-day life. They originally met as high school seniors in the late 1960s. He was in a psychedelic rock band called Fritz and asked her to join it as lead singer after two members left to go to college. At this point, they were mutually interested in music, but they weren't romantically involved. Uh, Fritz stayed together until the early 1970s with Nicks and Buckingham dating other people the entire time. And by the time the two decided that they were moving to LA, the band had broken up and they were suddenly a romantic item. I read an interview where someone described them as, they were immediately perceived as a sexy star-bound couple. People who encountered them recall an aura about them, a radiance. They were Mr. and Mrs. Intense. He in his curly locks and icy blue eyes, and she in her long straight hair and her piercing gaze when you talk to her. While writing and recording the album Rumors in early 1977, Buckingham and Nix ended their relationship. But at the same time, band members John and Christine, who had been married since 1968, broke up, and Mick Fleetwood's divorce was almost final as well. And that is a lot of drama to have going on with five people. (laughs) But from that drama came the album Rumors, which won some Grammy Awards and remains one of the best-selling albums of all time. And when you think about it, almost all the songs out there are written about falling in love or breaking up. It's said that Buckingham and Nick shot eye daggers at each other in front of packed stadiums during renditions of breakup anthems. I mean, yeah, I would. (laughs) I'd be like, I'm singing this with spite. Uh, So Buckingham wrote, Go Your Own Way, as a response to his breakup. He said, I was completely devastated when she took off. And in my mind, I don't know the tone in which he said the following, but to me it comes out as kind of very petulant. Um, He said, and yet I had to make hits for her. I had to do a lot of things for her that I really didn't want to do, and yet I did them. So on one level, I was a complete professional in rising above that. But there was a lot of pent-up frustration and anger towards Stevie and me for many years. Uh, To me, it makes it sound like he was just the one-man band just paving the way for her. She put in, I mean, she wrote her own stuff too. It wasn't like all him. And the song that he wrote, Go Your Own Way, he's the one singing it. He wrote it, so he wrote songs for him too. But uh, speaking of, let's listen to Go Your Own Way. Overall, the lyrics are pretty simple. Like, there's not a lot to this song. I think it's more in sort of the angry energy he puts into singing, You Can Go Your Own Way. 
Um, and also that it's very catchy. It has just a lot of energy. The guitar solo is pretty cool. I personally get the sense that he's kind of saying like, well, I tried to make it work, but you don't want to compromise, so do what you want. If I was on the receiving end of this song, I think I would be like, well, fine, I will. I will go my own way. It doesn't really feel that insulting. You know, I didn't have the backstory with him. I didn't get the nuance that Stevie Nicks did. Um, it said she demanded that he remove the line, packing up and shacking up is all you want to do. But he kept the lyric. Of course he kept the lyric. <laughs> Once he was like, that bothers her? <laughs> I gotta keep it now. She explained that she very much resented him telling the world that packing up and shacking up with different men was all she wanted to do. She told Rolling Stone, he knew it wasn't true. It was just an angry thing that he said. Every time those words would come on stage, I wanted to go over and kill him. He knew it, so he really pushed my buttons through that. So with that in mind, uh, she wrote Dreams. So let's take a look, or let's take a listen, and uh, see what she had to express. Her song is definitely a lot more complex and a lot more mournful. Um, since she starts, like, here you go again, you say you want your freedom. It's only right you should play the way you feel it, but listen carefully to the sound of your loneliness. It kind of sounds like he wants to not be tied down into a relationship, but then she kind of says, like, well, your loneliness will haunt you forever. Which in his song to her, he was like, go on your lonely way. And she's saying, well, you're lonely. <laughs> so they're both saying, you're going to be lonely without me. Um, but like a heartbeat drives you mad in the stillness of remembering what you had and what you lost. In her lyrics, the thunder only happens when it's raining. Players only love you when they're playing. Women, they will come and they will go. It really sounds like someone wasn't faithful or was thinking about straying here, but I didn't find anything where she really laid that out. But, I mean, it does sound like it. She told the Rolling Stone, I don't even remember what the issues were. I just know that it got to the point where I wanted to be by myself. It wasn't good for either of us anymore. I'm just the one who stopped it. From what I've read, Buckingham, Lindsey Buckingham, he's been in and out of the band his life seems a lot more turbulent than hers has been. So I tend to kind of go with her account of things just because she seems like she's been a little bit more stable. This is the person who doesn't know either of these individuals. If I was on the receiving end of this song, I don't know, I'd feel like someone was calling me like a sellout and kind of fickle, inconstant, I wouldn't like it. Definitely much more challenging given that they were in the same band and were sharing a stage when all this was going on. All right, our next couple. 
That would be Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber, who dated on and off for eight years. Uh, they started dating when she was 18, and he was 16 at the time. They broke up and got back together a lot, and they officially called it quits in 2018 when she was 26 and he was 24. And the reason for their split was never made public, but the the word on the street was that the relationship had been unhealthy for a while. And they sang a lot of songs about each other throughout the years. Uh, I think one of her most recent songs was in the album from 2020, Rare, which is Lose You to Love Me. So we'll go ahead and, and play that. It's it's a very sad song. I actually kind of like it. It uh, It moves me. It does. So here is Selena Gomez. We'd always go into it blindly. I needed to lose you to find me. This dancer was killing me softly. I needed to hate you to love me. Yeah. To love, love, yeah. to love. This was released around two years. Uh, after Justin had married. In the song, I think she's acknowledging that it wasn't a healthy relationship. Breaking up hurt. She was hurt. But in the end, it was an act of love or really self-preservation to let him go. I personally wouldn't be this comfortable being this vulnerable where an ex-boyfriend could witness it and hear about it. I would feel like, no, they can't know that I'm really that torn up or that sad, especially that they've moved on, they're in a, diff a new relationship. I don't know how I would feel if that song was coming to me from an ex. I think maybe I would feel sorry for them, but not necessarily. I don't think I'd want to like have retribution. I don't think it would make me angry. So let me see if I can find the last song that Justin allegedly wrote about Selena and we can kind of compare the the attitudes. So the song Ghost by Justin Bieber was released in 2021. He says that the song is about losing somebody you love. The hook is saying, if I can't get close to you, I'll settle for the ghost of you. That works for this quarantine situation. We're not relating and connecting in the same way. It has allowed us to only really have these memories. I hope this resonates. I hope it fills your heart up with joy or comfort in some sort of way. But fans of Justin and Selena really speculate that the lyrics were about their tumultuous relationship and his subsequent marriage to Haley Bieber. And they say there are similarities between this song and Selena's 2010 song, Ghost of You. So. Uh, let's take a listen and see if we think that it could be about Selena. If I can't be close to you, I'll settle for the ghost of you. I miss you more than life. And if you can't be next to me, your memory is ecstasy. Is it just me or was that song like shrill? It was hurting my ears. I just can't believe that someone who is married would sing this song about a past love. 
So I don't know if I agree with the speculations that he wrote that about Selena, though he did write plenty of other songs that were absolutely confirmed about Selena, like Mark My Words, Bad Day, Nothing Like Us, Where Are You Now? So there's plenty of other songs about her. I was just trying to find one that was like more recent since the one that she sang came out not that long ago. So I'm undecided. Uh, with kind of all these songs with the <laughs> singer-songwriters where you kind of really get more of an insight into like how they were feeling or how they were emoting about it, it seems like a good thing that they're no longer together. And it just was interesting to see how they emoted in different ways. So that was, that was interesting. I felt like I learned a lot because like I knew vaguely that some of these songs were written about other people, but I hadn't really listened to them like back to back to be like, I think if I was a musician, I would definitely write songs about all my breakups because I mean, it's such an emotion. It has such an emotional impact. Of course, you've got to write about it. Um, but I have... Uh, I read or heard somewhere that then if you continually have to sing songs about some of the worst parts of your life over and over again and relive it, that's not really healthy. And it's kind of unfortunate that some of these songs became their most requested songs that they've had to, to play over the years again and again and kind of go through some of these emotions. Um, though maybe they kind of... it desensitizes you to it as well like once you've sang it till you're sick of singing about it and you're sick of thinking about it and you just want to you know move on maybe that's like a kind of closure that us non-musician singer songwriters don't get I don't know so but it was interesting thank you so very much for going on this musical journey with me uh, <laughs> musical journey about people who've broken up and heartbreak. Fun times. We have such fun times here during the Dream Infringement Hour, but please tune in next week. I will be rejoined by my co-hosts. So with that said, I bid you goodbye. You thought I was going to say adieu and I didn't till just now. If you want to listen to older episodes of our show, then you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud and some of the other podcasting apps. And you can hear us from 2016 to current. You can totally binge us. Like you can listen to our show for over a day, 24 hours <laughs> solid. If you, if that is something you would want. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Dream Infringement. Yeah, and again, we thank the uh, folks at KSKQ for giving us this wonderful opportunity to spend an hour with you on Mondays. Uh, be sure to check out some of the other shows. We have some amazing producers and shows and things that uh, you can check out the website to see when different art, different producers have shows going on and see if something might just uh, tickle your fancy I don't know if I like that phrase. I think I might strike that from my list of quote popular phrases that I use. But if you want your fancy tickled, you might just find a fancy tickler uh, <laughs> on the schedule. You never know till you try. All right. 
This is Jennifer, over and out. Bye.